Well, good morning. Hope everyone is doing well. It's good to see you guys. I know it's been a while since I've been able to be here, and so it's good to see you guys. It's been a crazy summer for myself. As late May, my mom was diagnosed with uh, anaplastic thyroid cancer, and we found out that we were going to have to take some trips to Chicago for a clinical trial. So just thank you guys for praying uh, for me. Thank you for all the love and support. Man, I have never I've felt so much love over the summer from you all, and just, I appreciate you guys so much for that, and just the care, and the prayers. It's been, um, it's been a long, long summer, but it's been a good summer in that I know that I'm loved. I know that, and so thank you guys for that. This morning, we're going to continue in our sermon series into the names of God, so if you have your Bibles, open them up to uh, Exodus chapter 17. We find ourselves in Exodus chapter 17, um, the people of Israel have fled Egypt. They are now crossing through the wilderness, and just many, one thing after another happens to them. And so we are going to read a familiar passage of Scripture for some of us in the room. If it's not familiar with you, that's okay too. We're going to read it, and you'll be familiar with it at the end today. Uh, but we're going to see another encounter where they just see God working in their midst. And so Exodus chapter 17, look at verse 8. It says, At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, but whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. We're going to stop there for just a moment. We'll pick up in verse 14. Uh, but just a little bit of background so we know who we're talking about. Many of you probably know the Amalekites. They were descendants of Esau. Um, and so from the very beginning, they were enemies of the people of Israel. They opposed Israel. They opposed the, the people of God. Um, they were a nomadic group, um, but that does not mean that they were not organized. does not mean that they were not a formidable group. In fact, this, doma- this nomadic group was the first to domesticate the camel for war. And so they were a tough enemy. Uh, in some ways, they invented modern-day cavalry because before horses, they used camels. So you can only imagine a 10, 12-foot tall camel running after you with someone on it uh, swinging a big sword. Uh, These were scary people to face. They were ruthless. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 25 tells us uh, that they would wait until the people of Israel were tired and worn out from their travels, and they would come from behind them and get them while they were tired. They would also kill not just the men, but also the women and the children. So this was not an easy task before them. And Moses receives a word from God, and he comes and tells Joshua, hey, you're going to go fight, you're going to lead the army on the front line, and then I'm going to go up this mountain and raise a rod over my head. And Joshua probably looks at him, and he's like, sure, I'll go fight while you go up to the safety of a mountain and hold a rod over your head. Um. We don't know if Joshua had any qualms about that. We, we do know is that he obeyed. Um, maybe he thought about where 
the, where God had taken them and all the crazy things that they've been through before. We have a beautiful picture here in the Old Testament of Jesus where we see the prophet being Moses and the warrior being Joshua and Jesus is both our prophet and warrior. I love when we can see in the Old Testament pictures of Jesus. In fact, when we read the Old Testament, we should always read it with the light of the New Testament to guide us. Uh, but Joshua obeys and Moses goes up the mountain and he raises his hands. And what a beautiful picture of taking and giving up control. And when we do that in worship, we are, we are saying we're giving up our control. We are not the authority. We're not in charge. This life is out of control and it's yours, God. And I'm okay with that. It's a picture of being dependent. Moses is dependent on God to fight their battle for them because raising a rod in just of itself without God telling you to do that Raising your hands above your head without God telling you to do that, without any prayer and dependent upon the power of God, it's not going to do anything. You can raise your hand all day long up in the air, and it's not going to help defeat the Amalekites. But when you raise your hands in dependence on the Lord, then this is what the Lord has called them to do. And their obedience, their obedience is honored, and they are victorious through the Lord's power. We see that. And then we pick up in verse 14. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this down on a scroll and rem- as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of, Amal- of Amalek under heaven. I'm not done. Because of your obedience, I'm going to continue to fight this battle for you. This battle is not over, but the battle is over because I have already said I'm going to fight for you. And then in verse 15 it says, And Moses built an, an altar and he named it, The Lord is My Banner. And that's where we see our name of God this morning, Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Now, Nisi is a word that was common, and it is not always just situate, uh, associated with the Lord. Nisi is a word that was in the Hebrew language, was a, a common word that they would have known. It means the signal pole or a, a, that, uh, around which an a army can regroup, rally, and receive instructions. This isn't a banner that you would hang on the wall or a banner you would put out in front of a, a building to invite people around. This isn't just a banner to say the Lord is a banner. But no, this is, this is the, uh, a banner that would be on a big stick and they would stick it in the ground and the army would come as a rally point. And they would come and they would gather there together and they would receive their orders whether that was the whole army or a platoon or a squad, this is, these were points where they would put these down and they would regroup, rally, and receive instruction. And so when we say Jehovah Nisi, there's three things I want us to look at this morning. That the Lord is where we go to regroup. We go to the Lord to regroup. A healthy community of faith gathers together. And this is why what we're doing here today is so important. It may seem trivial to just go and be a part of church, to physically be present and gather together with the people, but it's not. The Lord has created the church for us to come together and for us to see one another and know that we're not in this battle alone, to know who's on our side, to gather together and to feel the encouragement. And I know that we have been through some times where live stream, and we're currently live streaming right now, has become a common thing, and it's a good thing and a great tool. And it's a great tool for when we cannot physically gather, but it's not a substitute for coming together. 
Let us not forsake the assembling together of God's people. We go to the Lord to, re-get, to regroup, but we also go to the Lord to rally. A healthy community of faith gathers together and relies on God's power. When you hear the word rally today, you may think often of like a political rally where people will gather together and they'll hear a speech, a rousing speech, and they'll be, uh, get worked up behind a pol- politician or a political party or a political platform, or maybe they'll rally around the country that they're supportive. That's, an, that's a picture of it, and we don't use the word rally very often in our vernacular today, and we kind of only associate it with that. But to rally together is to come together and to express emotion and to express excitement and to express that we're on the same page together and we're not rallying around a politician or a political party or even a country when we gather together those things whatever they are and how passionate you are they're not worthy of our full passion because they're going to fade away into but only one thing's going to be eternal and we get to rally behind the lord jesus christ and his cross and we come to it And we say we need God's power. When they think of rally, I think of Moses going up that mountain top and he's relying on God's power, prayer. We rally together to pray because prayer is more powerful than any of our problems. And prayer is not the last resort. Prayer is the first work that we're called to do. We regroup around the Lord, we rally around the Lord, and then we come to him to receive instruction. He is Jehovah Nissi, and we will be instructed to obey him. Moses, I think, had to, guys. I just believe he was a man like me, and he heard what God was telling him to do, and he's like, God, this is strange. This can't be what you want, how we're going to defeat them. And then maybe he thought about raising that rod in the Red Sea, parting and he thought about their journey so far being led by the lord by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud of dust during the day and he said god this is strange we'll obey and i think of joshua when he heard the words of god come out of moses mouth he had to think god this is strange this is confusing this isn't how me as a warrior would want to fight like i'm not relying on moses to go up a mountaintop seems really obscure and then he probably had to think about them crossing the Jordan River and God saying, take the Ark of the Covenant first. And wherever they would take a step, the next one would dry. And he would also has to remember when he walked around Jericho, around Jericho, and around Jericho, and around Jericho. And he saw the walls come down. And he said, God, that was strange. And so I'm going to obey. You see, if we say we love God, and we must obey God. We will talk a lot about loving God, but we see a lot of not acting in obedience for God. The Apostle John says that if we love Him, we will obey His commands. So this morning, the first thing I have to ask is there's something clearly in Scripture that God is calling you to do or not to even do and you're in disobedience, and you need to obey this morning. 
because we clearly see Scripture. And if we say we love God, then we have to be continually obeying His Word from Scripture. But also this morning, maybe wherever you're at in your journey, we're always called to continue to obey. And there's something that you might think is strange, something that's hard. And God is calling you to obey. Maybe it's talking to someone, sharing the gospel with someone, or doing something else. The Lord is calling you to obey, and you have delayed obedience. You have partially obeyed, but delayed obedience is not obedience. Partial obedience is not obedience. We must completely obey Him. And if we say we love Him, we will obey Him. This late spring, about April, the Lord began to press on my heart what he was calling me to obey. He began to remind me my passion and my heart for global missions and college students. Now that's really been a strong passion for me, and it was about that time we also hosted Secret Church. And for six hours, I listened to David Platt talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it, and I was in the back of the room wanting him to shut up. And I heard from the Lord that this is what he's called me to do. And I said, God, you, are you sure about this? This is strange. This is really poor timing, Lord. You brought me here, and I'm loving it here, and I built a house here, and I'm barely unpacked. I'm not even unpacked. What are you doing, God? And then a month later, we've, in middle of May, we found out that my mom was diagnosed with anaplastic thyroid cancer, and she was going to have, we were going to have to spend a long summer taking her to Chicago to be a part of a clinical trial, and and thankfully, so far, that has shown great results. In fact, she's home for the next few weeks, and last night I was able to take her to her her oldest grandson's wedding. It was a good night. We're getting ready to enter into the month of October, and I'm told we're going to start a new chemo just to make sure everything's good, but it's a different type, and it's going to be stronger, and it's going to be through an IV, and it's going to take a while for it to get out of her system, and so it's going to be hard, and we should expect some serious side effects, potentially. And I've been driving a lot to Chicago, as you guys know, and as you, if you've ever been to Chicago, it's a nightmare. A uh, four-hour drive or five-hour drive is really six, seven, eight, and at one time it was nine, because Chicago, you walk out and you're like, it is 9 o'clock on a Tuesday. Where are all these people going? And the state of Illinois decides that they don't work on their roads. They just tear them up and put, red co- put orange cones out. Because they like one-lane traffic, I'm convinced. So a lot of time in the road, on the road listening to God and Him saying, are you going to obey me? Are you going to obey me? And a couple weeks ago, I grabbed my journal uh, from high school, one of my journals from high school. I'm a journaler, not like their diary, but prayers, scripture, things I've been walking through. And I just felt like I needed to grab that. I've done that before. I've read through my journals, but it's been a while. And so I grabbed a journal from high school. It was one of the first few journals because I started doing that when I was like 16. I got uh, encouraged to do that at a Christian camp, and I've done it ever since. And I have a box of them. Um, and so I had that in the hospital room, and I opened it up and started reading through it and just walking through that, that journey of life that I had been through. And it was, I found that I was in my 
uh, the journal that I had was my senior year of high school. The summer of my senior year, of hi- after my senior year of high school, actually. And I had, at that time, a plan on, on what I was going to do. I had a full ride uh, to a college out of state to do pre-law. I always felt like that's what I wanted to do. You know, I'll still argue with you like I have a law degree. Um, And I was moving away. And we were walking, I was walking through a Bible study through the book of Acts during that summer. And I don't, to this day, still can't tell you the author of that Bible study. That has left my mind. I think I know who it is, but I'm not going to say because I'm not sure. Okay, someone tries to look it up. I can't, I can't remember. And in f- he points something out that in, in the book of Acts that I had not seen, and honestly, I don't, haven't seen another person point it out. And, and it's not in Scripture. It's an interpretation of Scripture, but I think it's true. He points out that in the book of Acts, we don't see much of the Apostle John. And it's kind of strange. In the very beginning of the church, we don't see much of the Apostle John. He's kind of MIA for a little while. And then he shows up, and he's doing ministry, and he's writing a gospel, and he's sending letters to churches, and obviously writing the book of Revelation. And he's done so much that he ends up uh, as, a, as a prisoner on the island of Patmos. But where was he at the very beginning? We see Peter, and we see Paul. We see a little bit of John, but he's not really preaching a lot. He's not in the forefront. He's not planting churches. And the author points out, That John most likely took to heart what Jesus said to him on the cross. When he looked at John and said, Behold your mother, and pointed at Mary. And he looked at Mary and he said, Behold your son. And John took that and obeyed. And he stayed with Jesus' mom until she passed away and he made sure she was taken care of. And he even put on pause maybe even his personal ministry to make sure his mom was taken care of. And the Lord used that for me to change schools and go to SEMO. I was still doing pre-law at the time, um, but I, was, I obeyed taking care of my mom. And it was a March of that, my freshman year of college when our church asked me, my home church asked me to come on as youth pastor. That's where Brett was the very, one of the very first 7th graders in, our, in my student ministry. I'm that old. <laughs> I was 19. Just. But the Lord reminded me, if you obey, I will take care of you. And if you will obey taking care of your mom, I'll take care of your ministry. I was reminded that he is my banner and he calls me to obey. And so a couple weeks ago I went to Pastor Roger to inform him that I would be stepping away from full-time ministry here at the Ridge Church, be going back on with the Missouri Baptist Convention to do college ministry and missions to be able to, do, to work remotely for a while so that I can take care of my mom. Because I know that if I obey him and I take care of my mom and I obey him in the calling that he's placed on my life, he knows what's coming. He knows what the next steps are. And he'll take care of the rest.
And I just want you to know, church, how much I love you and how much I have loved my time here. And I want you to know, Ridge Church, that there's not a church like you. I've not found it. I've never seen a church like you that is so loving and giving and caring and embracing the, and embrace the call to love people. And I know that there's lots of people in this room who have felt that. I'm not, I can't be the only one. That's why a lot of us are here. I also want you to know that I don't think anyone in this room would ever go out and say something or miscommunicate something, but things happen, and I want it to be very clear that it, this is not me saying there's anything wrong with this church or any disagreement with this church or with the leadership of this church. I love that man back there. I respect that man back there. I wholeheartedly would follow that man back there. That man loves me. I know that. I love him. And Pastor Roger is a great leader, and the rest of our leaders are great. And fa- I mean, and I definitely am in, in agreement with Brett, and unfortunately, I love Bob too, even though I want to kick him around sometimes. <laughs> but our hearts could not be more tightly woven together. And that is what's really has made this the most difficult decision of my life, and I put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off all summer long. And I'm sure some people might have even noticed that something was going on. I love you guys. Sometimes when you're taking a hike, you're on the, journey, on the path that you've always taken, and you've taken that, that path, and you've seen everything, and you know where it's going to end. And you'll see a little path that runs off to the side. And maybe one time you'll take that other path. And that path will take you and you'll see maybe a creek or a river or a view that you've never seen before and it's beautiful. It's a new journey. And then it turns around and like most hiking paths do, they end up at the same point, back on the original path. And you're like, that was fun. I might do that again. That was was worthwhile. I feel like that's kind of what the Lord has done taking a little side path here to then get back on the path of my calling that he's called me to. And I've seen things and experienced things and felt things that I know that I'm going to have as a result of your guys' love and my ministry here that's going to be something I'm going to carry with me the rest of my life. And so thank you guys, church, for loving me so well. And this isn't goodbye. I'll be around. It's going to be hard to get rid of me and come see you guys. But I just want to ask you, what is God calling you to obey? What's something maybe you've put off? What's something that you see as hard or strange or confusion? But you're clear, because it lines up with Scripture, and you know that it's the will of God. Sometimes we spend so much time trying to discern the will of God instead of obeying the will of God. What's he calling you to obey? obey. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for the Ridge Church and her love for people and how she loves you. Thank you so much for what you're doing here and what you've done here. 
Lord, thank you for the way you've used them in my life. And thank you for bringing me here. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Roger and the rest of the staff. And just, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to fill them and give them vision for the future of this church. Lord, that they would continue to be the light that they are to this community. And they would continue to love people so well. Lord, thank you. That when we obey you, we can count on knowing that you know what's in store. Lord, we may not, we may not know, and we don't have to know. We just have to trust and obey. Let this church know how much loved they are. And Lord, this morning, if there's someone here that's being called to obey, maybe even called to go into ministry or called to do something, and Lord, it may not involve moving, it may just be a simple reaching out to someone. Would they in faith obey? And would they obey not to get your love? Would they obey knowing that they have already been loved by you and that their love is obedience to you? Lord, we love you. We ask these things in the strong name, the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask us to stand if we can. About four years ago, we brought Bob Caldwell on staff, and we were looking to add some staff people. I said to Bob, who are, who are the best guys that you know out there? And Bob knows everybody. Bob said, my two top shelf people, Brad Russell, Brett Jones. And who would have ever dreamed that both of these guys we would have the privilege of having on staff here? I just want you guys to know we've had some of the best communicators on the planet at this church that have a heart. So we would, we would probably have never experienced Brad if it wasn't for Bob. And we might not have experienced bread if it wasn't for bread. It was kind of a domino effect. I hate to give Bob the credit. Bob is in quarantine right now. Many of you know, most of you know, has COVID. So he's locked in his basement. So pray for him. I know this is really hard for him. It's killing him to not be there for Hannah. She's got a surgery this Tuesday. So that's just tearing him up, but I know he's doing what he needs to do. But Brad, I'm gonna ask you to stand up here just for a minute. And Brett, I want you to come down here. How many of you have ever got Brad and Brett confused? I don't know how many times. To me, they don't look anything alike. But this is Brad, this is Brett, all right? 
So anyway, I love both these guys. Uh, I can't say enough about Brad, his heart. And I know he's going to still be here around the St. Louis area, so we still plan on staying connected with him and him being a part of what's going on here. And the hardest part about sharing your heart and kind of bearing your soul is he had to do it three times today. So I know that's not easy. But anyway, I really do appreciate him. I'm going to ask him to sit over here if you don't mind. Appreciate Brett. I'm going to ask a few of you guys to come and just get around Brad and just pray for him and, and just, uh, just lift him up. And if there's anyone else that needs prayer today, uh, during the early service, I had uh, Tracy Suttles come up. Tracy had a fall and just kind of cracked a bone in his lower back, and, and yet he's still out serving our community, even though he can't really walk very well. But I had Tracy sitting down here on the front, 8 o'clock service, and there's one little guy sitting about in the middle back here with his parents. And this little guy made his way out in the aisle. He might have been six, seven years old, and he just walked down to the front, and he sat right here by Tracy. Now, I didn't know if he was coming forward for prayer, to be baptized, and I said, what's on your heart, buddy? He said, I, I don't know. And so I had the mom come down. I said, I'm, you know, I knew they, they had probably taught and the mom said he just wanted to come down and support Tracy. I want to tell you, man, that really meant so much that that little guy would slip out. And he just sat next to Tracy because he thought God wanted him to come down and just support Tracy. You know, we all have people that we influence in life. Whatever it is that God has for you, I hope that you'll say yes today. Isn't it kind of crazy? No matter how old we get, there's always a next step. You never, ever arrive. You always just keep going. So I hope that right where you are, you'll just say yes to God, whatever he's putting on your heart. If you need to slip out and come down for prayer, I want to encourage everyone, as we do some Sundays, but that part of the bulletin that you tear off, if you're a visitor, we'd love to have you put that in there just to acknowledge your visit. But for our regular folks, there's a prayer part of that. I want to encourage you to always write down what's on your heart and put it in the box, the offering box back there. And every week, there's a group that come on Thursday, and they pray over every single prayer request. So if you have something that's on your heart, something that you're a giant, something that you're dealing with, I want to encourage you to write it down, put it in that box. You don't even have to put your name if it's something personal, but to know that people will be praying for you. I'm so glad that you're here today. I want us to pray together, and then we're going to kind of close with a song. Before we do that, I almost forgot I got caught up in Brad leaving and forgot we were having communion today. So anybody here not get a communion cup, but you would like to take communion? If you'll keep your hands up, we got a few over here. Anybody else not get a communion cup? All the way up in the very, very top. Anybody else? 
All right, just keep your hand up real high until we get everybody. I think taking communion to me is maybe the single greatest act of worship individually and corporately as, as we can participate in. And again, taking communion is looking back and remembering the cross and the ultimate price that God paid so that you and I could spend an eternity with Him. That He loved us so much that He sent His only Son. So communion is looking back to Calvary, but it's also looking forward and anticipating that Jesus said we are to do it until He comes back. So we also are confessing that one day He's coming back for the church. It's also a time to give thanks. The Bible says on that first night, they paused and they gave thanks. I hope that we never ever grow old or, or be, becomes routine taking communion. So it's a time that we can truly thank God for that incredible gift. But it's also a time to look within. The Bible says we are to examine our own heart. So I hope you take a moment and just to examine your heart. And the Bible also says it's a time to look around and consider the body of Christ. We really do have something unique to come together and to worship together and celebrate together. I'm going to ask Brad just a minute. He's going to join me in the back. But if you have your communion cup, we're just going to kind of do it all at one time. So if you will, turn the juice down as long as you didn't take the top off. And then pull the tab on the bottom and you get the piece of bread out. And then you can turn it back over and just kind of pull the tab off the juice. And so in just a moment, we're going to take the bread and take the juice all at the same time. As he passed out the bread and the cup, he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, I want you to remember me. So let's just look up to heaven and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And let's take the bread and the juice. Father, thank you for today, and I just thank you for the challenge that Brad has given us today. And God, I pray that all of us here have said yes. Father, give us the grace, give us the power to follow through with what you've laid on our heart. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.